We're in a series called 5G, and uh, this is the next generation of disciple for Jesus Christ. Uh, five weeks to kind of prepare our hearts to give generously uh, towards this land opportunity that we have, and we're really grateful for it. But uh, this is what we would call a family business Sunday, all right? So family business service right here. And so I want to clarify that because if you're visiting with us for the first time, you might be like, what's going on, all right? And so I just want to, anybody remember when they were a kid? If you don't remember when you were a kid, sorry for the accident you had, all right? Uh, anybody remember when they were a kid? Yeah, okay, so when I was a kid, so I'm 43 years old, so it was a long time ago. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, like, people didn't lock their doors like they do now, and actually just went barreling in and out of houses just down the neighborhood. All the neighborhood kids were just, like, in and out of everybody's house. So sometimes I would just, like, go barreling into my neighbor Jason's house and be like, you know, what up? You know, and all of a sudden, like, hold on, this is different. Dad's home. Everybody's in the family room, right? And dad looks at you like, did you just barrel through my front door? Yeah, I did. I'm here. And uh, he's like, hey, 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 could you just wait on the porch? Because we're, we're going we're gonna to do a little family business. You know, Jason will be out in a second. All right, I guess. Okay, whatever. All right. It's not like that at Harvest. All right. It's not, it's not like that at Harvest. So you are welcome. Thanks for coming. You're welcome to all of our information without any expectation of you participation. Okay. I just want to say that. So thanks for coming. You came on a great Sunday. Just like Brent said, we're flipping kind of a new page. It's a great time to jump on. But we just want you to know, like, you're welcome to all of our information with no expectation of your participation today. Okay? All right. Just, we got to get that out of the way. And uh, I want to make sure that you knew that. So it's an exciting day. We've been waiting for this day. We've been thinking about this day. We've been talking about this day. My wife and I, a family, we sat down around the table again. We're like, all right, what are we going to do? Everybody wrote down their numbers and we kind of put it all together. And it's just so fun to prepare to give today and also to give a pledge, right, for what God might give by the end of the year if he brings it into my house for sure. So I want to say this too. I believe that today is a huge day. I don't know if you believe in spiritual things like I do, but uh, there's a warfare in our, in our country, in our, our nation, in, in our city. And uh, today, we're going to take ground, right? There's going to be people that are going to come to know Jesus Christ because of our sacrifice we made today. There's going to be lives and marriages that are radically changed because of the decisions by faith that we make today. There's going to be buildings built, right, and, and sanctuaries of peace and hope because of what we decide today by faith. We're going to see churches planted, right, in this city, around the, uh, our little state, and all over the world, honestly, I believe, because of the generosity of today. You're like, you can see all that? Yeah, well, I was here when, when we raised just a little bit of money to be the church, and uh, look at this. So yes, yes, I believe it. I believe that today is a huge day. So let's pray in that regard. Father God, um, we've come. We've come expectant, anticipating that you're going to do more than we could ask or imagine. Because you're a huge God and you love us so much. So God, I want to pray for those that have decided to give. they got an envelope in hand and they're ready to give. And I want you, uh, God, to comfort them, to strengthen them, to help them be steadfast in the number that you've given them. 
And uh, maybe even by faith to increase that this morning. We'll see. But God, we just, we just ask you to be steadfast in their commitment. God, please, for those that are undecided still that came and they're like, I got this envelope, but I don't know what to do with it. And I don't know how much I can give. And God, would you meet them where they're at? And would you just blow <laughs> wind into their sails? Would you just breathe life into their bones? Would you just help open their eyes to see exactly what you want them to give? Please, God, right now in this service, please. And for those that are like, man, I'm not giving anything. Uh, thanks for asking. But I pray, God, that you would, um, I don't know, that you would uh, either change their heart or mind, or uh, maybe they've been on a si the sidelines for a long time in this church. But if they call church, uh, harvest their home, I pray that you would, um, I don't know, you would convict them, that you would encourage them to give something, just anything that would be a gift towards this so that we could have 100% participation. We pray that you would be honored and glorified in it all. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, thank you for Jesus, and thank you for the Holy Spirit that's working here today. Amen. I want you to open your Bible to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. We were there a couple weeks ago, 1 Chronicles 16, but now we're at 1 Chronicles 29. All right, this is David's last kind of words before he dies, and it's pretty significant. So open up to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Um, I am going to be turning to four passages today, okay? We're going to look at four different passages, and I want you to turn to all of them. Go ahead and say all. Okay, now I want you to commit to turning to all of them because I want you to see it from Scripture, I don't want it to be like over-emotional today, high-pressure sell. I want you to see just the facts. So that's why the, the title of the message is Just the Facts, Please, okay? I'm just going to go to the scripture. We're going to look at what scripture says. Just the facts, please, all right? When, when I am being challenged to make a decision, especially with my finances or something in spiritual nature, I don't want to be pressured, right? I just want the facts. What does God say about this? What, what should I be doing? And so I... I want to challenge you, and I want to give you the facts. So just the facts, please. Everybody say, just the facts, please. Just the facts, please. Perfect. Let me start with this. This is just some facts. Um, here we go. Um, the land that we're trying to purchase, the opportunity we have, is a piece of property worth $2.5 million. Okay? It's 8.8 .8 acres. It's not all buildable because some of it's in a floodplain, but there's enough of it buildable we can get by, and it, it will have some great green space for our kids to play, and it'll be really cool. All right, $2.5 million piece of property. The seller is selling it to us. Our purchase agreement is for $1.4 million. Everybody say, wow. 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 I mean, if those facts are true, and I believe them to be true, we've, the building team's been on that, the elders have been on that. We're all like, oh, this is just too good to be true. It's almost like you looked at it three or four times extra, overthought it, because you were like, this is just too good to be true. What's wrong with this? And uh, so we're all just like, wow, go God. What an opportunity. So he's given us this opportunity. Now, we have 336. Last time I checked, I'm sure it's changed because you guys have keep giving to the building fund, but $336,000 in the building fund. Right? That's great. Praise the Lord for all of your generous giving. That's awesome. Right? We need $490 to close on the property. So what we said is we need some money for architects and stuff in the future. So what we said, we need $200,000 to be able to close by the end of the year. By December 31st, if we want to close, we need $200,000. That was our need. But we went on record as saying, hey, a need's a great thing. And 
We can carry $900,000 in debt if that's what we want. That's great. And we'll pay $6,000 a month. And, you know, it's like kind of an employee or two, you know, depending on who they are. And, uh, you know, it's, kind of, it's, 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 a lot, it's a lot of money, right? $6,000 a month we're going to put towards this debt, you know. And uh, so what would it be like if everyone gave sacrificially? And so we said, that's our goal. We're just going to present this opportunity to our people, just the facts. We're going to present this opportunity to our people, $1.4 million purchase. We need at least $200,000 to do it. If we don't get $200,000, we're just like, dude, great. Great opportunity, but God's not in it, right? We're just not going to do it. We're not going to be stupid, right? But I believe if this is God's place for us, that he's going to do exceedingly more than we could ask or think. And that by God's grace, he's prepared all of our hearts to give maybe the gift that's hurt the most of all time, maybe more than we've ever given to anything, right? To see, uh, you know, something special happen. So those are the facts financially. So um, just the facts uh, from scripture here, um, just the facts, please. So just one more illustration in this. You ever gone to go get a car? <laughs> yeah, like... Um, I remember going with my dad to go get like the first car. It was, oh, it was a bad car. I mean, it stalled at every stop, stoplight. I don't know what in the world. But uh, wow. I got in a couple accidents with that car in one week. Um, yeah, that was great. Uh, it was slippery. It was wet. I don't know. It rained a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, when you were young and not a good driver, that was me. But I remember going to the parking lot with my dad and it, it kind of was like, it got emotional. You felt a little pressured. Weren't sure if you were making a good decision. And I was so grateful to have my dad there because he had been through that before and he kind of like knew what was going on. He kind of knew, you know, how to navigate that. And so I just want to encourage us, like our heavenly father's here today. You don't have to feel pressured. You just need to ask him, like, what am, what am I doing, God, for you? What, what, what do you want from me? Like, it doesn't have to get emotional, right? It doesn't have to be high pressure, none of that, right? You don't have to make a bad decision. We're not, we don't want you to make a bad decision. But let's just lean into our Father and be like, hey, God, what, what, what are we gonna do for your glory? What are you asking us to give? That's what uh, we've been doing at our house, and that's what we wanna know, uh, or that's what we wanna do here. So this I know for sure. Write that down. Uh, maybe it's on the top of your paper if you have the bulletin. Uh, this I know for sure. Okay, four things I know for sure as you make this decision to commit some money from your house to the church, this I know for sure. So here it is, 1 Chronicles 29, look at verse 11. This I know for sure, God owns it all. Write it down, God owns it all. I know this for sure, scripture's clear, God owns it all. Verse 11, chapter 29, 1 Chronicles, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven, in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Just two verses. Just a little context. David, 
wants so badly to build a house, the temple for God. You could read the passages around this to get more context. He wants so badly to build a house for God. And God says, no, 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 no. You're a warrior. There's a lot of blood in your hands. You're not going to build it, but Solomon's going to build it. And he's like, my, my kid's so young. He doesn't even know what to do. I feel like that. I'm like, oh, I don't even know what to do. This is the first time for everything, right? And, and David prepared the people, the leaders of Israel and the people of Israel to give in such a way. He, David gave his whole estate. He's like, here's everything for me. You read it in the, in the chapter right before. He's like, here's everything. I'm pushing all the chips in. Why? Because God owns it all anyway. And because God wants, I want a place for God to dwell, right? And it's just so cool, the context around this, and uh, more about that another time when I, when I actually preach all, all around this and so on. But just these two verses, here it is. God owns it all. Just make a note of these two things, three things we'll say in the passage. Here's the first thing. All glory is God's. Look at verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, there it is, and the victory and the majesty. Not to us, not to us be the glory, right? So whatever you give, whatever, it's not for Steve's glory. It's not for Brent's glory. It's not for the building team's glory or the elder's glory. Point to who the glory is for, right? Whatever we give, it's for God's glory. Let's just be clear with that, right? God owns it all. This isn't like, oh, Harvest Bible Chapel, what amazing thing. Like, God owns it all. Let's keep that straight. All glory is God's. The second thing, for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Let's just say this, all belongs to God. All belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. Do you know that? You don't have a car. You don't have a house. You don't have a job, right? It's like, it's not yours. There's a verse for that, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. I'll put it on the screen for you. For who sees anything different in you? Are you different than the world? Yeah, well, this is how different we are. What do you have that you did not receive? Uh, the answer is nothing, right? And if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? I don't, I'm wicked. I don't know. And not only that, how about this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Forget about your house or your income or your job or your little car, right? You don't even belong to yourself. You don't even belong. This doesn't even belong to you, right? What does it say? Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Just think about that. We don't even own this. We have to give an account for this one day, right? All belongs to God. Maybe you would just say that. It's all God's. Go ahead. It's all God's. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. It's all his. Then this last thing, just verse 12 there. Both riches and honor come from you, 
and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Here it is. All comes from God. Where do riches and honor come from? I missed that part in the passage. Where do they come from? So they come from God. I mean, that's just the facts, please. If I'm going to make a commitment to something for God, just the facts. Just give me the facts. Well, here's the facts. God owns it all. Therefore, you know, since all comes from God, therefore, you can trust God with his money. Now, some people have a problem with this. Some people have a problem with this. They're not tithing. Maybe you're here and you're not tithing. I'm not, I'm not necessarily calling you out. I don't know who gives and who doesn't, but I'm just stating the facts. Some people don't tithe, and therefore some people don't bring offerings either. And, it, and you know, it's a spiritual problem, right? It's a spiritual problem. It's not a physical problem. You're not like, oh, I can't make ends meet. You know, it's like, well, God owns it all. If you honor God with your finances, he could get more over there. It's not like he can't just do this. So let's just call it what it is. This is a spiritual problem. And therefore, there's a spiritual solution, right? You could change that today. You could start giving today. Let me just say it this way. If you keep on doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. So do something different. Right? I mean, that, duh. That's like just not rocket science. It's like, I should stop doing what I'm doing and do something different. So do something different because God owns it all. Okay, the second thing, uh, flip over just to the left a little bit um, to 1 Kings 17. I asked you to read this uh, last week. Um, who read it? I'll just test you guys. Yeah, good. Well done, church. Well done. Good job. Look at uh, 1 Kings 17, verses 8 uh, and following. Here's the point. Just the facts. This I know for sure. God owns it all, and my giving should be based on faith, not fear. My giving should be based on faith, not fear. So, uh, let me just read it for you. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, listen now, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, now just to say, I love it when he says behold, because like, hey, listen up, something's cool is going to happen. What happens? Uh, God said there's going to be a widow, and then behold, whoa, wait, 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 a widow was there gathering sticks. I wonder who made that connection. And he called to her and said, He's testing her. Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Long journey, thirsty. Could you bring me a little? And as she was going to bring it, he, call, like he tested her and she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Okay, this is the widow. I'm sure he didn't call out like, are you the widow? So he asks again, he tests her, right? He tests her a little bit. He says, hey, hey, hey. So he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Water and food, please. And she said, as the Lord, as Yahweh, your God lives. So she acknowledges his God. I have nothing baked. 
only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks. It won't take much to create the fire to cook what I'm going to make that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son and that we may eat it and die. Any moms out there? Can you imagine the state of the heart of this woman? Would I even have a conversation with a stranger at this point? Go away. This woman's like, you don't understand what you're asking. I'm going to cook what I have left. They're in a drought. There's no rain. Why? Elijah prayed there wouldn't be any rain. You're the problem. Hope she doesn't know that. <laughs> and she's like, we're going to make this meal. And this is it. This is our last meal. We're done. We're going to die. Just think of how she felt. The fear she must have had. Elijah could sense that as a man of God. And he said, Elijah said to her, verse 13, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. Yeah, go make some food for you. What is the next two words? But first, right? Oh, that had to test her faith right there. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. Now, if he just left it there, she would have a real hard choice, wouldn't she? But he doesn't because he's generous and because God's spoken to him about what's going to happen. And so he carries on and makes it just a little... Blind faith is not great faith. But here's some like calculated faith right here, okay? So he says, For thus says the Lord, the God that you acknowledged earlier, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. It's going to be three years, right? And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days the jar of flour. Everybody should have this highlight in their Bible. Verse 16. The jar of flour was not spent. That's a miracle. Neither did the jug of oil become empty. According to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. You ever hit rock bottom? You ever been like so down? Just think about this. They're down to their last meal. Fear has set in. They're going to die. I remember Brent coming out here to be a part of our church, 20-year-old kid. He turned 22, I think, the day after he came or something, or the day before he came, or 21. He turned 21 the day before we came, he came. Um, I remember like him selling his motorcycle. How hard would a 20-year-old kid have to sell his motorcycle? Sold his motorcycle, bought a minivan, little green minivan. That didn't last long. And, and moved out here. That must have been rock bottom for him. Moved out here without a job, lived in my basement, right? He's going to work for like free. He volunteered, literally, at our church. Like, this is why I love this guy so much. That was a huge step of faith. Well, I don't have any other options. I really want to lead worship. I want to just do what God wants me to do. Here I go. Don't know what that'll feel like. 
How much he must love just standing up here and watching you guys walk in, right? Seeing what he sowed and how it's been reaped. What amazing thing. Sometimes the way out of a drought is partnership with God. Just lean in, lean forward. I remember when we planted the church, um, I, uh, I tried to raise money, you know, from donors and so on, kind of like as a missionary for a couple of years. But, but as far as our church was here, like we had never hit our budget, not once. <laughs> February, March, April, May, June, July, August, December, you know, you know, October. It's like in October, we like actually opened the doors. I'm like, finally, we'll hit our budget. Didn't hit it in October. Didn't hit it in November. By December, I was like, are we even going to be a church God? And so I got on my face in my basement. I was just cried out to God. God, you promised there would be a church. You said it was Rochester. You, it depends on you. And I showed up. Our lowest attendance in church history, January 1st, 2012, 80 people. That included like 20 some kids. It was pretty, it was pretty sparse. And the offering that day was $5,000. That was like half our budget. And we made our budget for the first time in January. And I don't remember missing our budget since. We probably have, but I don't remember it. And it wasn't significant. Faith. Right? You just, come on, God, you can do it. We're all in, God. We're pushing all the chips in. Brett and I were like, we're giving it all. And God blesses that. He really does. Here's the point. You might want to take note of it. God first, then me. God first, then me. Go ahead, say it. God first, then me. Come on, it's fun to say. Say it again. There's like a verse for that. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. That's God's word. Jesus Christ spoke that in the Sermon on the Mount. It's amazing. It's amazing what God does. Here's the point. No spirit of fear, right? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. We can make a good decision here today. But here's the point. My giving should be based on faith, not fear. And here's what she did. She gave what she had by faith. She just gave what she had. And just think about what God did for her. She gave what she had, the little she had, and God sustained her for years by his grace because she obeyed him. Just the facts, please. This I know for sure. God owns it all. My giving should be based on faith, not fear. And then turn over to Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi, such a special book. I preached through the whole thing in year two of our church. It's an amazing book. And I would recommend it to everyone to just go read that. We're going to be in chapter three. And I just want to say, we've preached this in our church multiple times. Not in a while, maybe a couple years. But this is one of those passages like John 4 where you've preached it like five times and you're going to preach it again, right? It's like, I'm just going to preach on worship. John 4, open your Bible to John 4. Here we go again. Like this is one of those passages that 
ought to be engraved on our hearts. If you've been at Harvest a while, you should have this memorized. Adam, Adam, you got that, you got that, uh, you got that like uh, highlighted up in your Bible? I'm going to check with you later, right? Like I'm going to see, I'm gonna, you got some notes? Like you better make some notes in there, right? Or we're, we're going to have words later. But this is one of those passages, man. You got to have this highlighted up in your Bible. This is a, a staple passage when it comes to giving or money for sure. So here it is, chapter three, verse six. For I, the Lord, do not change. Is that comforting? God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Woo! Well, that got real quick. Because of my mercies, and they're new every morning, I haven't incinerated you. That got my attention. All right, thanks, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're good. But what did I do, right? I mean, like, you kind of like... For from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, my, my laws, the commandments I gave back in the first five books of the Bible there, and have not kept them. Here's the invitation. What does he say? Return to me. What a gracious God. This is the point. God invites me to give generously. God invites me to give generously. Um, it could, you could call it a command. You could call it a challenge. You're going to see both those things to come. But I really want you to see the invitation because God's a loving God. I want you to see the invitation. The invitation is return to me. That's what he's saying. God invites you. He's inviting you. Return to me and I will return to you. How awesome is that? Says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how, how far gone must a person be to be like, return to what? I never left. What are you talking about? But you say, how shall we return? We don't even know where we've gone. How, we don't know the path back for sure. God's not slow to get specific here. Will a man rob God? Whoop. But you are robbing me. But you say, again, they're so thick, right? And we can get like this. Can we get like that? Turn to your neighbor and say, like, I get like that. I get thick all the time. Like, I'm pretty thick today, right? But you say, how have we robbed you? Be more specific, God. I don't even understand. What are you talking about? How have we robbed you? God, again, not slow to get specific. In your tithes and your contributions. Contributions is just another word for offerings. Okay? That's how we say it, offerings. We don't say contributions. We say offerings. Tithes, a tithe is 10%. Off the top, it's just, that's what it is, right? It's 10%. And offerings, it's like above and beyond that. And it's like just free will, like, hey, we're just gonna give more. And God does awesome things with both, but it's clear they're separate. In your tithes and your offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Just the facts, please, just the facts. This is what I wrote down. How many of us are still disobedient to God in financial matters? And yet God is still so merciful with us, giving us time to repent. Just think about that now. Like I've been there. I've been there. Like God, this is all I have, so just accept this. And he did with mercy and grace. And he stewarded it and used it for his glory how disobedient I was. 
and how much better it is to know that I'm being obedient, right, and just giving off the top 10% to the Lord and watching the blessing of that, even when it's hard. God wants to bless your life. I'm going to put this on the screen for you. God wants to bless your life, but he can't because of your lack of obedience, right? He literally can't because of your lack of obedience. Like you've tied his hands because his commandments are true and he doesn't change. He's merciful towards you, but he also can't just like let it all flow when you're being disobedient. God wants to bless your life, but he can't because of your lack of disobedience. You might say, what should we do? Go ahead. What should we do? And the passage explains what we should do. Okay? Verse 10, look at it. Bring the full tithe. Go ahead and circle that. Full. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The house of God is the church in the New Testament age. That's what it is. Bring the full tithe. Let me just talk about that a second. Bring the full tithe. Everybody say full. Full Full tithe. A tithe is 10%. That's a lot. Can we just agree that that's a lot? Turn to your neighbor and say that's a lot. That's a lot. Now, if you look at it that way, and I have for a long time looked at it, that's a lot. Then it feels like a lot. But if you look at it from the other perspective, 100% of your income is God's, then that's a little. He's asking for a little. And he's going to multiply it and steward it to do much. He's going to do more with that 10% than you could do with it for sure. For his, for his honor and glory. A lot of people want to um, say, not off the top. I mean, after taxes for sure. You know, maybe after I give my mortgage, then I can give 10%. Well, that may be a good place to start to kind of inch your way towards the other. But no, off the top, right? Do you want God's leftovers? I mean, I don't want God's leftovers. He doesn't want your leftovers. <laughs> I'll just give you my leftovers, God. I mean, you don't want God to be like, yeah, when I get to it, I'll, I'll answer your prayer. When I, when I, you know, get around to it, like, then I'll meet your needs, you know. If I'm not busy today, since God's never busy. You don't want leftovers from God. I don't want leftovers from God. The first fruits of our income are God's. I think there's this other kind of interesting problem, right? And that is, and I know this to be true because we've even talked about this in the elder board. So, you know, to kind of, we ask our elders before they become elders, do you give 10% of your income to the local church? It's the only person I know that gives 10% to the local church. It's the only person. Why? Because we wouldn't want to preach that to you if we weren't doing it ourselves. So it's on the elder application and all that. You know, it's like this right there. It's the only person I know that is giving is that, Okay. And I don't know how much they're giving because I know how much they make. But I know they're giving 10% because we asked them. So here's the other issue. A lot of people want to be like, well, yeah, I'm giving 10%. I'm the chairman of my own board and I have my own like little thing over here and I'm giving uh, some percentage over here to this missionary, some to this organization, some to this thing, and I give some to the church. That is not what he's talking about. Remember the verse, bring the full tithe, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So we have to stop kind of being the chair of our own board. We have to kind of think about God's economy and that God has put the church in charge. And we got to be like, 
lay it at the apostles' feet, right? Lay it at the elders' feet and say, God, God, you can use it there. These guys can steward it for your honor. You hold them accountable, all right? I did what you said, God, I, I brought it here. Now, no, you hold them accountable to you use it and steward it uh, for your honor and glory. So I think that's another uh, problem. And again, it, it deals with accountability, really. Right? Because are you going to hold that missionary accountable? Are you going to bring them in for an annual review? Or are you going to be like, hey, how'd you use that money? No, no, you're probably not. And so therefore, you know, hopefully as elders, we're, we're being very accountable for the money that you bring in. And I want to say this too. Um, our staff, our pastoral staff is, is some of the hardest working people I know. <laughs> On the verge of burnout at times, right? They work so hard. I can guarantee you the money you give, tithes or offerings, is being used, is being stewarded for God's glory to make disciples. I can guarantee you that. I can stand here with clear conscience and say that. I can also say this. The money you give today in a 5G pledge, none of it's going to staff. That's what tithes are for. That's what tithes are for. So this is all going towards building stuff, and it's pretty cool. Well, keep reading. Um, there's... There's a lot of stuff here, but let, let's just keep reading. And, and thereby, what does it say? Put me to the test. Now, somebody here is for sure a Bible scholar and has read Deuteronomy before, and it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then, and then you know, Jesus said that when he was dealing with Satan. He's like, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So somebody's in here going like, that's wrong. The Bible's contradicting itself. And I would just say, um, on a finer point, God, God's in charge, and he gets to decide <laughs> what he's saying right? And, and, and how he says it. Um, I think what, he, what he's saying there is, hey, I'll prove it. He's not saying like, test me, like see if, you know, he's like, I'll prove it. Just, just trust me with your money. I'll prove it. I'll prove it. And in that way, it's a test, right? God's going to prove himself to you if you obey him. That's what he's saying. And therefore, you can, he's trustworthy. You can count on him. So in that regard, um, the other way to think about it is uh, if God tells you not to test him, don't test him. But if God says, test me in this one area, then he's God. So th that'd be okay. You, you, can, you can go with God on that, right? He makes the rules. So you can test him in this. You can, he'll prove himself to be faithful in this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now, again, if you read the chapters I was talking about last time, Exodus 35 and 36, the guys that were building the building were like, stop, stop giving, we have enough, right? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that here at Harvest? I can, because I've read it in scripture. And I'm like, please do that here, God. I'm praying that God will do that, right? And so think of a window, how does it open? It opens this way, right? But he's saying this way, right? He's like, see if I don't open the clouds and send rain. See if I don't just like open glory and send into your service. See if I don't just like rend the heavens and come down that the mountains might quake at my presence. Just watch and see. If you're obedient, you can prove, I'll prove it. Watch and see, the heavens will be opened and I will pour out on you more than you could need. I will rebuke the devourer. Just another great promise uh, for you so that it will not destroy the first fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. 
Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Just what a great passage. You got to mark all that stuff up, right? You got to go back to that this week and just read it and just be really, especially if you're struggling with what I'm saying about the tithe or the offerings, just go back and look at it again. He says he's going to rebuke the devourer. How many of us are seeing the enemy wreak havoc, like cut a line of destruction in our families at our workplace? Just wreaking havoc, right? First Peter, right, 5.8 says the, the devil, right, is, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. The devil is the devourer. God says, hey, I'll shut that off. Not over here. No, Satan, you can't come here. You're not doing that. I think this is such a great promise for us that when we're obedient with our finances and we submit to God, he fights for us. That's amazing. God promises to take care of you when you commit to his plan, honestly, to give generously. Because wouldn't we all agree that 10% is pretty generous? Yeah, I think so. And then we're into an offering scenario here where we're like, just give an offering. So some of you guys aren't, aren't going to fill out one of these cards. You're not going to give an offering because you've never given a tithe. And I want to encourage you today, that's not, don't, there's no guilt in that. We're all on our journey of spiritual growth. There was a day when I didn't tithe 1%, and then it was 5 and now it's you know, whatever it is, right? Above 10 Grow one degree of glory to another. You've heard this message. Let it pierce your heart. Let God work in your life and start giving. Maybe, maybe you'll just commit from now to the end of the year, I'm just going to give a percentage of my income. I've never given before to this church, but, and I'm not going to give to this 5G thing because I'm not, I'm not square yet on my tithe, but I'm going to just start giving to the general offering now every week because God has invited me. Just the facts, please. God has invited me to give generously. Just the facts, God owns it all. My giving is based on faith, not fear, and God invites me to give generously. Now, this last passage, um, flip over to the passage we ended on last time, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just get there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> Spent a lot of time on that third point, more than I planned to. Hopefully that was really um, informative to you and, and inviting you to, to more. This last point is this. Uh, my generosity produces more generosity. Okay, my generosity produces more generosity. I just want to see, you see it in the text. So the point is this. Whoever spare, sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So if you're po poverty living produces poverty giving. That's just the way it is, right? If you sow sparingly, uh, you're going to reap sparingly. And, uh, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So again, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I want you to look me in the eye. Promise me that you will not give because your arm's been twisted. Promise me you will not give out of compulsion. There is no benefit in that to the church or to you. Promise me. I will not give, right? 
out of compulsion, right? All right, we're clear. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written, he has distributed freely and has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. My generosity produces more generosity. This is a farming analogy, right? This is what it is. It's a farming analogy. Like if you're down to your like last bushel of beans, what are you going to do? Let's eat it and die, right? Like, no, 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 wait, hold on. Find some dirt. Don't even worry about the tractor. Use your hand and put each bean in the ground, right? <laughs> Tend that thing. Use the whole bushel basket, <laughs> Like, what are we going to eat right now? I don't know. We'll figure that out. But if we sow all this, we're going to reap abundantly. That's the principle. It's a, it's a farming analogy. You don't feed on your seed, right? If God gives you extra at your house, that's not for your cons consumption. Do you know that? Like when at the end of the month, you're like, oh, I got another $5,000. What should we do with it? Invest it in God's work. Like it's God's money anyway. Steward it somehow for his kingdom and his glory. My 5G living produces the next level giving, okay? Just, just write that down. My 5G living, we've been spending five weeks on, you know, glorifying, growing, gracious, generous, grateful. My 5G living produces next level giving. I need to hustle, so let me just say this, and I don't mean this in any self-serving way. Um, Kimberly and I, we talk about this every once in a while. We're like, Kimberly and I have, have given all we have to this church. We're just like, push it all in. We've sold every dime. We're like, you know what? I go to these concerts where there's like this high pressure, like give to this compassion child. And I think it's awesome. And every, week, every time I'm like, I should do that. And then I'm like, we're giving all our money to the local church. That's what we decided, right? And I'm not saying that's not, that's not good. That's good. But we, as the leaders of the church, have just like, we're stewarding it all here. And so the question would come up, well, why would you give more? Why would you go in again? Because God's always reaped abundantly what we sowed. Every time. When we push it all in, it always comes back more. Every time. Now, there's a real error. And I want to caution you. So let me give you this caution. Okay, so I'm trying to decide, should I give uh, to this land opportunity, to this campaign? Just the facts, please. God owns it all. My giving is based on faith, not fear. God invites me to give generously. And this last thing, my generosity produces more generosity. Great, perfect. Now, let me say this. I said it last week. You can't outgive God. Now, just be clear about that. You cannot outgive God. But I do need to give you a word of caution. Okay, so here's the caution. Let's put the sign up, the word of caution, okay? There's a real caution. There's an error, and here it is. Here's the error. 
There is not that God gives to the giver. That's not the error. The error is that God always gives money back to the giver, right? That you're going to get back money for the money you've given. That, that's an error. And I'm not teaching that. I'm not teaching a prosperity gospel. Say he's not teaching that. I'm not teaching that. That's a huge error. And we would never teach that here. But God has and will give something to you. So here it is. I'm just going to give it to you. The reward for generosity comes in many forms. The reward for generosity comes in many forms. And you're going to see it right here in the rest of the passage. I got to be done. But I'm just going to read this really quick for you and give you five things that God gives. Five ways that I see just in this passage right here that God gives. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Okay, so first thing is, he might give you more money. All right, but that's like the low end, right? You don't want that, right? There's times we got that, we're like, please no, God, give us something more spiritual, right? Like, he might give you more money. Okay, that's the first thing. He might give you more seed and supply and multiply your seed. That's great. But second thing here, he might sow and increase the harvest of your righteousness, he might give you spiritual growth. He might make you more righteous. That's amazing. I want that. Spiritual growth. Growing church? Anybody? How about this? You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way that through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints but also is overflowing and many thanksgiving to God. God might give you grateful hearts. I want that. That's one of the things I want on the list. He might give you a true contentment. He might give you a, a I never want for anything else again. You could walk through the mall and be like, who cares? I want that. Because I fall into the trap of like, oh, I need that. Oh, I want that again and again and again. God might give you a grateful heart, a heart to say it's always been enough. You've always been enough, God. I want that. Then verse 13, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. God might give you eternal glory. Now, that's how I wrote it down. It really, this is it, right? It's, it's salvation. People might be saved through your gift. Through your generosity, people are going to be saved. What a gift is that? That's reaping. That's reaping. Who cares? This is money. What? They got saved? I get to live in eternity with them forever? Awesome. God might give you relationships with your family. He might let you lead your family to Christ, the family you've been praying for for, for a long time because you decided to obey him. He decided to open up the floodgates for you. I pray that's so. And this last thing, deeper worship. Let me just finish the passage. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Do you see the worship there? There's answered prayer. <laughs> there's answered prayer and there's worship in a deeper level. So I got to close this up. 
Um, I, just, I thought I'd close it up this way. We've only done this once before in our church. It was pre-church. We weren't even a church yet um, before we ever got in this building. And um, it was called Prepare the Way, right? Prepare the Way. It was kind of a campaign to be a church and raise money. If you're part of the Prepare the Way campaign, I want you to stand up. If you're a part of, if you participated financially in the Prepare the Way campaign, stand up. Go ahead. All right, so we got a couple people over here. Yeah. Look around. Every dollar of it. All of it. I mean, can you imagine, Brent? I mean, look at this. I mean, we've done this one time and we didn't do it very well. And just look at what God did. He meets the faithfulness of his people. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I appreciate you guys doing that. So thankful for people that have given in faith. So now, hey, we're just going to close this way. I know a lot of you guys are, get your, get your card out. You're all ready to give. And uh, we're going to have uh, the ushers coming soon. All right. Now, if you don't have a card, that's fine. It, not, not everybody's going to give today. It, you know, again, I go back to like, you know, this is just turning the page. Like, it's not for everybody. I get that. But uh, if you want to give today, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand, right? Like, like raise your hand get, or get your envelope in your hand, whatever. Like, get, get that. If you, if you want one of these cards, though, you're like, dude, where do I get one of these cards? Like, I want in. Like, just raise your hand. The ushers are going to give you a card, okay? That's it. Just, just do it really quick. All right, we don't got a lot of time. But if you want one of these, just raise your hand. They're going to get one to you. Um, again, this isn't a commitment to give today, but you could just sign in on the faith pledge. But by the end of the year, if, if God brings some money into my house, I'm going to give it, right? You could just make a faith pledge right now. So if you want one of these, go ahead, raise your hand. Okay, they're going to give it to you. No pressure to give at all. Just the opportunity, all right? Just the opportunity to be faithful. So anybody else want one? All right, great, perfect. Hey, we're going to sing this song. And as we sing this song... We're all going to make our commitment, right? Maybe you need to change your number, rip your envelope open. Maybe you just need to like, you know, God, faith to believe that this was it. Whatever it needs to be, right? But we're going to just, as this is sung over us, and then we're going to take our offering, and we're going to pray, and we're going to leave expecting that God has done something so powerful among us.